his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This is the Bob Cordaro Show podcast. WILK News Radio. The great Gerard Mayer and my friend Joe, uh, Joe uh, Pastor loved that. He loves that opening. <laughs> he told me about it. So, Joe, hope you're listening down at Schoolkill. Uh, quickly, we're honoring Carl Cayley, Shikshini, 26-year U.S. Air Force veteran. We lost him at just the age of 60. He was a radar technician. Served all over the world, all over the country and then all over the world for the Air Force. And then served his fellow veterans in Legion and VFW posts. Carl Cayley. Well, John Perillo is coming up momentarily. But I want to start the extravaganza here. Uh, we're giving away $50 gift certificate to Highbridge House. And uh, we're going to do that all week. Every day. In fact, Wednesday I'm going to be, I have a doctor's appointment, a medical thing I got to do, and Johnny's going to give it away Wednesday. So we're that committed to this. It's your chance to win a $50 gift certificate to the Highbridge House. We're going to take the fifth caller, the fifth caller, 570-883-0098, to win a $50 gift certificate to the Highbridge House, one of my favorite places on the planet. Uh, again, fifth caller, 570-883-0098. Johnny awaits your call while we talk to John Perillo. John, welcome. Uh, you're not eligible for the gift certificate because you're in Colorado. I, I was a little upset. I mean, I'm on the phone. How do <laughs> I, I know, call but, you? Well, you were the first caller. Well, that doesn't count. That, that was a <laughs> yeah. setup. Uh, you're out. You're out of luck. <laughs> Well, I'll take back, you Bob. there. Will you ever get you to Scranton? I'll take you there. Outstanding. I look forward to that. All right. Uh, thanks again, Bob, for having me on. I, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit today about Ukraine and what it is that we want in Ukraine and why it matters. Uh, there was an article by a gentleman named Noah Rothman who kind of asked that question, and, I, and it got me thinking that you know, a lot of times, we, we, we engage in foreign policy without thinking it all the way through to the end. And if we're to be completely objective, I actually think that Biden's trip to Ukraine was a good one. I mean, I think it was an inspiring trip to the Ukrainians, at least. And if you actually listen to the speech, it was calm and sober. And, you know, Biden's no Reagan, but it was a solid performance. And unfortunately, right after that trip, he went to Poland. And I don't know if anybody saw the highlights of that trip, but 
you know, they had a laser light show and it was, uh, you know, he's, he's making this very uh, aggressive speech. And it reminded me a lot of the mission accomplished banner that, that kind of hurt uh, Bush too badly. And in that speech, uh, President Biden went through a list of things that Putin tried and failed to achieve. He talked about how democracies in the world have gotten stronger and autocrats have gotten weaker and that the NATO alliance, in his words, will not waver or tire in defending the cause and, craven, and, and Putin's craven lust for land and power will fail. Right. And so that's I think that was you know, Biden trying to be a little political about what's going on down there. And I think that's a victory lap that's way premature. Um, and I think that maintaining the integrity of NATO given the EU's need for energy, is probably his largest uh, foreign policy challenge outside of China. Uh, and it's, I think it's important to remember that the West's resolve, or our, our NATO's commitment to Ukraine, has been a result of Ukraine's commitment to its own defense and not the other way around. And let, let me explain that real quick. So it's easy to forget just how much the Ukrainian cause was written off when the Russians first crossed the border back in February 24th of 2022. And, and I was even one of those who said, hey, they can't hold out. But they did, right? And within two months of the invasion, according to our estimates, about a, a fifth or 20% of the Russian forces that, they brought, that the um, Russians brought into Ukraine had been destroyed already in, in a matter of two months. And it was, it's after that that the U.S. began to contribute to Ukraine's counteroffensive. Same thing with, with NATO. So, and then on, in late March, Moscow, you know, they, they acknowledged the withdrawal of forces they had around Kiev. And after that, we began to increase the weapon systems to include heavy artillery, right? And then in mid-May, the Russian forces retreated from their positions around the city of Kharkiv. If you remember that siege there, that was horrible. And after that, then the White House begins providing Ukraine with long-range long artillery, including the, the high-mobility artillery rocket system that they've been asking for. And then in early September, uh, Russian troops abandoned all of Kharkiv Oblast, and, and only then did we start seeing NATO aid flow in. So the point of that whole little history is to say, hey, look, every time Ukraine succeeded – we stepped up our support, not the other way around. I think that's kind of a critical point. And yep. then after that... It's, a, it's a very over. important point that keeps getting overlooked because of politics and because, I'll, I'll say this, you don't need to, the bias of our media to support this administration. And But the right. fact is that we've been behind this game. We're offering Zelensky his way out of the country at the very time, and he said, "I want ammunition, not a ride." I mean, he's been he they Zelensky and the Ukrainian people have been the heroes here. Certainly not NATO. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I think, and I, I appreciate you backing me up there. I mean, if you really think about that, as, as just as Bob said, we have been behind the Ukrainian advance all the time. They're leading the way, and we're kind of behind them, cheering them along. Um, and and I'm, I'm just a quick point on expenses. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. That you know, I know people are talking about the cost, but what we're describing as the cost of our support in Ukraine is 10 percent of our annual military budget. And for 10 percent of our annual military budget, we have essentially reduced one of our great enemies and adversaries. We've destroyed their military. I, in in the crassest of terms. That's a that's a great uh, you know return on investment. 
And, you know, since then, remember that the, that the Russians then mobilized about 300,000 reservists. That was September. And it didn't change the dynamics on the battlefield at all. All it did was commit more poorly trained and equipped infantry units to fight. And, and we, we talked about how they had essentially zero chance. They hadn't had a chance even to zero their weapons. And without air and armor support, which is interesting, as that means that the Russians still don't have air superiority, you know, over, over, over uh, Ukraine, they, they've done quite poorly. And then you'll remember that Putin annexed these four Ukrainian provinces, even though he didn't fully occupy them. And the reason why he did that was he was trying to throw his gauntlet down and say any uh, attack in those provinces is an attack on Russia itself. And it, it was designed in order to make everybody pause. And it didn't. Nobody cared. So that, that got crossed. And, you know, in addition to the 200,000 Russian troops that have been killed since the start of the war. 200,000? Is, is, that, is that killed and wounded or killed? killed, killed I'm sorry, killed and wounded. Okay. Thank you. Oh, Thank you. I got so, it. Yeah. The, but the other thing that's come out of that, that, that horrific toll is essentially the decimation of, the Russia's, of, of Russia's officer corps. Right? So, you know, it's, it's, and I, it, not to be crass about this, but if we're destroying troops, that's one thing. The Russians have lots more people they can throw at it. But their officer corps is quite limited, and that's been really depleted, as well as their ammunition, right? So now they're, they're, they're bringing in stuff that's 40 years old, and, you know, that 40-year-old that stuff's going to run out at the end of this year. And now the, so, now the Chinese are looking to resupply them. Well, funny you should mention that, because that's exactly where we need to go with that, right? So, you know, AP, the, what's interesting to me is that the AP survey basically said that half of Americans say they uh, support Army Ukrainian defenders, fewer than half. That's down 60% since uh, May. Uh, most of old Europe uh, support is of, Euro- of Ukraine is not popular. And old Europe, I mean um, kind of the, the western part of Europe, the French, the Germans, the, the Italians. You know, nobody wants to support them. So I think part of what's driving that lack of support is that nobody knows what the objective is. And as usual, when I talk to Bob, I give you, you know, 15 minutes of pre, and now I get to the meat of it, which is what's our objective? If the objective is the total liberation of the Ukrainian people, including the territories occupied by the Russian forces after 2014, um, you you know, that means the defeat of the Russian army. Those two things have to go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. And I don't think that there's, you know, a lot of support for that in the West because people understand what that means. On the other hand, if you look at the polls of the Ukrainians, they show no support for surrendering any territory in exchange for peace. And if Zelensky were to agree to do that, I think he'd be gone very, very quickly. And then if you look at the Russian side, Putin hasn't shown any indication that he's willing to take any kind of a, an off-ramp. Uh, so that leaves us with either regime change in Ukraine or Russia. And believe me, I'm certain there's somebody out there trying to help uh, Putin meet his maker. And we know the Russians have been trying to assassinate Zelensky. But if that doesn't happen, what does a settlement look like? Right? You know, um, and all settlements are based on the facts on the ground at the time you're doing your negotiations. So this is all subject to change, but let's maybe for the short term take a look at what it might look like. So knowing that the Ukrainians won't back down, because for them it's the existential conflict. It's not about protecting your sovereignty, but it's about avoiding capture, rape, execution, obliteration by bombing and shelling, all the things the Russians have been doing, including the deportation of entire families with their children shipped off to re-education camps within the Russian Federation. Right? The Ukrainians are not going to quit. 
Uh, and from what we can tell, Russia remains committed to achieving its battlefield objectives. So for your listeners, you know, what, what does that wind up being? What does that wind up looking like? And, you know, since World War II, the United States has kind of pursued four grand strategy objectives. One is to avoid major shooting wars between great powers, preserving the post-World War II geopolitical order, which is, you know, kind of um, uh, centered around the U.S., uh, allowing non-aligned states into U.S.-backed institutions, things like uh, free trade agreements and that sort of thing, and then, and then you know, promoting open markets um, and, and non-proliferation. So we don't need to go into details or any of those things, but if you look at those basic objectives, providing material support to Ukraine is, is, in a way that avoids direct confrontation with Moscow actually has an effect on a lot of those objectives that we've had. And, you know, to keep this from blowing up is getting more and more difficult because we don't have we, we don't have the will to keep supporting Ukraine and Putin's backers in China don't have infinite patience either. And that's where Bob was alluding to. So Secretary of State Anthony Blinken made the comment that China was, in his words, considering providing lethal support to Russia in its efforts in Ukraine. And that's because Xi has been uh, Xi Jinping has been backing Russia financially. And I guarantee you, Xi Jinping is not in the business of being humiliated. And this is a humiliation to totalitarian regimes, especially China. And so there is the possibility that with Moscow accepting aid from Xi Jinping, that aid may come with some preconditions that force the Kremlin to scale back some of its objectives. But we really don't know that. So, again, how does this end? Right. I think it's safe to say that the worst case scenario is off the table, an outright Russian victory that results in the occupation of Ukraine and the replacement of the Zelensky government, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, if we assume that Ukraine that's, that's a bit resist, of an optimistic view, John. Well, I think I think, but I think it's been shown to be true. Right? Okay. I mean, at some point, you know, the, the Russians have to acknowledge that they're not winning this thing, right? Yeah. Um, but I, and, and yes, it is optimistic, but I think it's I think it's true, um, and that that also assumes that the Ukrainian will to resist continues. And West material, the the West's material commitments to, to Ukraine's defense continue, and that's a big if, right? Given where polling is at. Um, uh, so the other the other possibility is that Ukraine wins, right? Uh, that they take back all of the uh, Ukrainian territory, including the Donbas, but likely not the Crimean Peninsula. And the reason for that is that liberating the Crimean Peninsula would be a huge, large scale air, sea, and land operation. You know, they're going to have to invade on several axes. They're going to have to have, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian troops, and they have to have a land blockade and a fire support base in Ukraine to attack Crimea. Ukraine has none of those things. So I don't think that – I don't see a way that militarily uh, Crimea Peninsula goes back to Ukraine. However, if – you know, because I said earlier, like we talked about facts on the ground matter in negotiations, if at the time that there's – uh, negotiations begin, there is fighting for the retaking of Crimea, then that allows Crimea to be left on the table as a negotiation standpoint in the ceasefire deal. And that's maybe the face-saving piece that lets you know Russia keep the curse straight and even some Sevestal uh, port, ports, which is what Russia really wanted at the beginning, which access to warm water ports. Right. So, you know, if that were to happen, if this scenario happens and, and Ukraine isn't totally de- devastated, you know, Russia cannot present a realistic threat to the European security for decades. Their economy is in tatters, um, and, and that means our ability to pivot to the Pacific Rim, which is where we really need to be concentrating. And again, I'm trying, for your listeners, 
that's why this is important, you know, for our for the U.S. I mean, we have to concentrate. Sometimes we have, we do things because they're morally right, but we have U.S. interests there, and that's one of them. Um, the the other thing is that you know, if that were to happen, we could begin to transfer those the, the weapon systems and air defenses that we need to to the Pacific Rim, right? Uh, um, but Ukraine's going to be in shambles after this, no matter what happens, and would likely require security guarantees from the from the West for some time in the future. That, that's if Ukraine wins, in, in quotes. But if Russia wins, then what? Then you have a destabilized Ukrainian state on NATO's uh, border, and that may be acceptable, again, to old Europe, because they need energy more than they care about what happens to Ukraine, but it won't be acceptable to Poland or Slovakia yeah. or the Baltic states. You know, they sit on the Ukrainian border, and they're NATO allies of ours. So, you know, th- that kind of thing comes with its own problems. And so even a partial Russian victory creates this new axis of Russia partnership with China, which I think is uh, is very, very dangerous. And, and again, from our interests, that's why we need to continue this, 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 what I consider to be a really minimal investment. Again, 10% of our annual military budget is what we've spent in Ukraine so far, not you know, some some it's not I don't think it's bankrupting us as a nation. And we can have a whole nother discussion as to whether our military budget is too high. Um, but anyway, I just I, I appreciate it, John. You, uh, you know, but a, a sobering view that this confrontation has consequences regardless of how it turns out. John Perillo, Monday Musings. Thank you very much, my friend, and look forward to next week for another Monday Musings. And thank you again, Bob, and your listeners for putting me on, and I, I, I'll hold you to that, uh, to that gift certificate or dinner. <laughs> All right. We'll be back after this. The Bob Cadaro Show rolls on. One of my favorite songs. March 6, 1971, George Harrison was moving up the charts with his hit single, What Is Life? Uh, I remember. I just I remember that year uh, very well. My grandfather passed away that early March. I'm trying to remember the date. And then, of course, the Ali Frazier fight. They happened around the same time. But 1964 is what we played the quote from when heavyweight boxing champion Cassius Clay officially changed his name to Muhammad Ali. And it was a, it was a courageous thing to do at the time. It really was. You look at how uh, oppressive America has become with these politically left and correct lunatics in charge of seemingly everything. Well, the country was the polar opposite back then. And conformity was the norm. It was almost a reverse wokeness. We weren't going to be woke to anything. It, it is remarkable how the polarity has reversed from 1964 when Muhammad Ali, and I, you know, I didn't agree with it or whatever. I don't agree with the statement or the concept even to this day, but it was a courageous thing to do regardless. And it would it it'd be almost like what we talk about every day on this show 
and someone in media or someone in sports coming out as a conservative against the lunacy. It'd be that courageous. So, Muhammad Ali, 1964, this date. Uh, Pastor Mitch checking in. And, And somebody wants to send a news release to me. And so anything you want to send to me, you can at robert.cordaro, C-O-R-D-A-R-O, at odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y, dot com. Now, I'm not the news department. If you look on the WILK news radio for that thing, but if you want to send it to me, robert.cordaro at odyssey.com. And, I, and something I did receive today that I wanted to comment on. Uh, Congressman Dan Muser, our friend, uh, he's doing a great job. I mean, really outstanding job for this area and this country. Well, he's done something else. His office has returned over $4 million to constituents through their casework. I told you what a great job they did getting me my passport against a very determined foe. (laughs) Uh, But in addition to that, I mean, that's, that's a big deal, but that's his job. He has also returned to the United States Treasury. $276,000 that he saved us on office expenses. And our old friend Sue Henry sent me this information. And I said, I'm going to yell about it. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to scream about it, how great it is. $276,000 unspent and returned to the Treasury just from his office budget. That's... Remarkable! It's a substantial percentage. And I said, if if Dan is available at all this week, Congressman Muser, we will have him on, not only to talk about that, but to talk about anything he wants to. Uh, but that is a great thing, and that's a true conservative. Let's take this break. We'll come back with the weather after this. I hear that sounder, and I jump every time I hear it. Johnny runs his show like a tyrant, and... Uh, I don't know. It's like I'm going to get my knuckles wrapped by a nun or something. Uh, but here is the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from our friend meteorologist Joe Snedeker. There's a winter weather advisory this evening, starting at 7 o'clock, running until tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. So the weather today, partly sunny to start, as, it, as we can see. Some clouds later today, high of 47. Snow is expected to begin this evening and continue overnight. Tonight... The snow will continue overnight. Elevation is uh, the issue on what your accumulation will be with a load of about 27. Tomorrow, the snow ends early. Accumulations of a dusting to three inches possible throughout the area and could impact the morning commute. Cloudy with some sun possible by afternoon, high of 38. And Wednesday, breezy, clouds and sun, cold, high of 36. I guess this... Ties in with, you know, March coming in like a lion, maybe. By the way, we're honoring today, and not by the way, uh, 
importantly, we are honoring today Carl Cayley of Shikshini. 26 years with the U.S. Air Force as a radar technician. Served all over the country and then all over the world. And then served his fellow veterans in both VFW and Legion posts. And we lost him last week. And thanks to uh, Barney, our friend of the show, Barney Smith, for getting that in. And someone t- texted in, I graduated high school in 1980 with Carl Cayley. Great guy. Loved his country. That's Ed Stepanski from Shikshini. Thank you, Ed. I'm, I'm, uh, we, we want to remember these warriors. We want to remember these heroes. It's very, very important that we do. It, it, it's, it's everything. I mean, they are the fabric of, of this society. And, and so critical, not only in their service, but in the experience that they bring to the community they, they come to after their service. Carl Cayley was such a man. And thank you, Ed, for checking in and, and acknowledging that. Uh, by the way, if you go on Facebook, there's a page. I'm not good at this social media thing. I, I, Cutie actually had to do this for me. Uh, but if you go on Facebook, there's the Bob Cadaro Show on TV. We've got a Facebook page. Now, I haven't done much with it, but Cutie just downloaded uh, all of our TV shows. So you can access them through the Bob Cadaro uh, on TV Facebook page. And give us a like. I don't know if that means much, but give us a like while you're there. But you can get to any of the episodes of our program. And I will tell you, the the latest one, which was downloaded yesterday, with Matt Gates of Camp Freedom, and a lot of people have not heard of this. My, my son is a former Marine. He never heard of it. And so that's why I, you know, you've got to be repetitious. But Camp Freedom is this 20-some-hundred-acre retreat for disabled and traumatized veterans, for Gold Star families, and for disabled and traumatized first responders, including police and fire, where they get to experience nature and hunting and outdoor pursuits within their handicaps. And it really has turned out to be over its brief five-year existence, and it's growing, a restart button for a lot of our veterans, a lot of our Gold Star families, over 5,800 at last count, and first responders. Uh, and and Matt Gatty spells it out, and we put a little bit of film to see if you could see some of the things uh, that happen at Camp Freedom and get us a, a little bit of a sense for it, and uh, good stuff, really good stuff. Uh, but that's on, you can now go to Facebook page, go to Facebook, the Bob Cadaro Show on TV, give it a like, and then you could see any of the episodes through that venue. Well, this is 
the convening of the club for common sense. We do provide you a sanctuary of sanity, appointment radio, every day, 9 to noon. We've got a full, full dance card for you this week. And uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, but let's take a break now. Bob Kadar with you on the eponymous show. Uh, we'll hear from our great sponsors. We'll come back. Oh, by the way, another uh, point of interest. Jim O'Connell from Pittston is the winner of the Highbridge House uh, $50 gift certificate. And, Jim, you're going to love it. You're, you're going you're gonna to rave about it. I look forward to your review after you go up there. But we're going to be giving them away all this week. Every day, we'll be giving away a Highbridge House gift certificate uh, so that you can go up there and see how fabulous it is uh, on us and on Highbridge House. We'll be back. Well, that's a slower version. That was The Temptations, March 6, 1971. They moved from number 16 to number 4 with Just My Imagination. Running away with me. Honoring Carl Cayley, Shikshini, 26 years, U.S. Air Force. Radar technician all over the country, all over the world for the Air Force. And then he served his fellow veterans uh, in the Legion and VFW posts. Good stuff. Um, So, yeah, we're going to talk to uh, Dan Muser tomorrow. About, I, I just want to ask, I, I, first I just want to praise him for sending back this $276,000 to the Treasury, to the taxpayers, that, that he saved on his office operations. I mean, nobody does that. Remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Uh, tomorrow also... We hope to be judge uh, or talking to Judge Carolyn Carluccio. She's uh, our, one of our candidates for higher court, and we're going to talk to her tomorrow as well. Uh, the Club for Common Sense, I mean, we convene every day, 9 a.m., and we provide this sanctuary of sanity, by the way, for myself included. You provide it to me. Remember what we're doing. I mean, we're just hanging around with each other. So you have to understand what a great honor it is that you're willing to hang around with me. Uh, I, I truly see it that way. Uh, we're just about sold out, I'm told, for the March 31st roast of me, which um, is up at uh, Bonavita the old All Saints Hall in Dunmore. Uh, that's Friday night, March 31st. You could still possibly get tickets at either Dunmore Lumber or all the tables are sold out, but the, there's individual tickets available. Uh, either just imagine and Liz Nero or check with Brother Ron at Dunmore Lumber, and they will be there for you. Well, it's time for the Bloomberg Money Minute. We'll take a break to hear what's happening in business, and then we'll come back. March 6, 1971, Tom Jones, one of my favorites. He moved from number 17 to number 6 with his hit, She's a Lady. 
Reminds me of Cutie. Club for Common Sense has convened, providing a sanctuary of sanity for all who listen. On to appointment radio, 9 to noon. I love this 9 to noon time slot. I do. And we had the party for my daughter last night, so I was a little sluggish this morning. But I, I just I get so energized being with all of you. It doesn't matter if I feel tired. I, I'm excited to be with you. I really love it. I really love it. Now, um, we're honoring today Carl Cayley, late of Shikshini. We lost him last week. 26 years U.S. Air Force as a radar technician. Thanks to our friend Barney Smith for sending that in. But Barney, on your envelopes, don't tape them so thoroughly. I can't get them open. (laughs) I'm battling with uh, Barney Smith's envelope today. Uh, And I was actually a a minute or two late to get into uh, the studio. And they thought I wasn't coming. (laughs) Because I'm usually here bothering them before uh, Nancy and Jason get off the air. Body Shop Guy says, nothing like a little Tom Jones. I'm with you. Uh, Somebody texts in, the the $276,000 that... Danny Muser saved us, has already been stolen, or Biden gave Hunter 10% of it as quid pro quo for all he did when Joe was VP. Yes. I can't believe that the Democrats, and this is even normal Democrats, and the media which are far-left Democrats, have no interest in the corruption and compromise of the President of the United States, who is at best, even by the best determination of anyone, a mediocre president. He's a horrific leader. He's been, he has done so much damage to this country It's almost unfathomable. Between the border and what he's allowed to happen in crime policies to the 13 kids that got killed in Afghanistan to the weakness he's demonstrated that have invited the Ukrainian incursion by Putin and threaten us in the Far East with China to the wild, wild overspending on silliness, frankly, on politically correct nonsense like racist highways that has brought us inflation along with an energy policy which has been incredibly destructive and put us at the mercy of the Russians, the Arabians, the Venezuelans. It's, it's unbelievable. He's been so awful on every single front. And now I'm seeing on Fox News the food stamp benefits returning to pre-pandemic levels. And it is affecting a lot of people. Because you get used to something and the Bidenflation is killing you. 
And now they reduce your SNAP payments. <laughs> Listen, these are the same people who are suffering through Biden's food increases. Eggs up 70%. Flour, 20%. Ice cream, 16%. Gasoline. Home heating and all of your utilities. He's killing us. And intentionally so. Intentionally so. And the most needy among us are suffering the worst. The working class suffering the most. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Somebody urging me to go back to the noon so they could listen to me at lunch. <laughs> I gotta tell you, you gotta, you're gonna have to, um, you gotta hang in there with me nine to noon, okay? Please, please come stick with me. Stick with me at this time. Somebody texted in, uh, hi, Bob, LTS, LTS back at you. I have no doubt that Ron DeSantis will become one of our best presidents. However, I don't feel he should run until 2028. If he goes ahead and runs in 2024, uh, will that then open up the governor's seat of Florida to a Republican or a Democrat vote? Well, because of Ron DeSantis and his success in Florida, Florida has become at least by most measures, a red state. So a Republican would most likely be the governor there. Because they continue. I'd hate to give the Democrats an opportunity to try and cheat and steal uh, to become the governor of Florida. Uh, Ron is doing the best job as the Florida governor as well. So many Democrats and I are leaving blue states and moving to Florida. Will they be stupid enough to vote Democrat and ruin that state? Your thoughts, uh, BR, I think I think Florida will stay Republican. I have a friend him who's moved from Louisiana to Florida, and he will vote Democrat, even though he's leaving Louisiana because it's a horrendous and New Orleans specifically because it's a horrendously run Democrat state and city. It's remarkable, and. <laughs> It's like locusts. Like they're leaving California in droves. And then they're going down to Texas and voting Democrat. But remember, this entire phenomenon of people voting against their own self-interest is what perplexes me incredibly. You're hurting yourself voting Democrat. This is a lunatic party now, officially. All their policies, their leadership, all their policies. And they state it right out. They're nuts. They've gone crazy. They're anti-American. And there's so many good Democrats, and they're still, like, considering voting for Democrats. Look at Lackawanna County. 59% for John Fetterman. The man can't even serve. Period. That's how bad it is. He was incapable of serving. He now is not serving. And they're going to try to drag him until, I guess it's August, so that it will be a gubernatorial appointment rather than a a a special election. Uh, Man, it's sad. 
Very sad. All right. What is not sad is that Paula Degnan's here, ready to do the news. Oh, oh boy, Paul Michaels is here. I'm sorry. Paul Michaels is here. He's going to do the news, and then we'll come back after him. Go to YLK News Radio. This is the Bob Cordaro Show Podcast. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, Mom and Dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.